0: Okay, we're continuing in James this morning. And where we've been, we've walked through much of the letter. We're almost to the end. We're ending and finishing chapter 4 and heading into chapter 5. You can follow along if you want. We'll pick it up in James 14, verse 13. But you know, when I was a kid, We used to drive out. We lived in Hawaii and Kamuela, but even there, you know, there's less city lights. But if you really wanted to see the stars, you'd have to drive out of town. You'd go out away from the lights, right? Because all other lights kind of took away from the great brightness that's just so amazing of the the, sort of the panoply of stars. And so to really see it, you got to get really dark, and to some degree, as we've looked at James, this is what we've seen in James. James is putting out all the other lights around us so that we see the great light of Christ and his love for us. And we need that. We need it. I've struggled with it because I feel like every week I bring and have to beat you with a baseball bat, and myself too, as, as James takes the good things that we do and points out that they're flawed, that they're not good. And he pushes us to see our only good, our only hope is Christ. But that means we're taking things that in our society and in even my own wisdom, I think, hey, this is good, and and I ought to be this way. And James kind of says, wait, you're not really good. I don't like that. I just want to encourage you. But in this actually is great encouragement because our hope is Jesus. And we're we're doing this one more time. This is one more look at the law, if you will, because James does it this morning. James, one more time, gets the mirror out. James, one more time, says, look at it. James, one more time, wants you to see yourself. And what, at the end of the day, what you see isn't necessarily pretty. So it's a very good thing that that's not our hope. <laughs> Hope's not in ourselves, but Christ. So we want to go there. And And so to get us into the text this morning, let me ask you a question. Do you ever worry? Ever. And probably none of you guys ever do, and so you can sleep through the sermon. It's okay. No, no, no. Any time, any moments where you get anxious for the future, any moment where you start thinking, wow, are things really going to go out like I hope they do, and you start to worry, almost everybody at least has moments. Many of us, it consumes us. Worry. And you know what we do to fight worry? One of the things I do is plan. Plan. I plan. So I, I get on my calendar and I plan. I, I, I plan how to get to where I want to go. I make steps, positive steps, towards getting where I think I want to go, and that will help me feel more secure in the planning to say, hey, I've, I've got a pathway to get to where I hope to go. The other thing we do that's related to it, like we make budgets, right? Because worry around money is really big. So I make budgets to make sure I have enough, and, and, and I do things like save. I mean, saving for retirement, right? <laughs> I put money away so that I have money later. These are things we just naturally do because we want reassurance that we have enough. It's not always about money. I mean, I think I read a few weeks ago about, about uh, families that were fighting over getting their kids into the right school because it was going to give them a good future. It was preschool. It was, like, it was like, I'm so worried. I want my kids on the right path that I, I want to get them in exactly the right school so they have the most opportunity ever in, in the, the sports and the academics and everything. And we what is that? That's planning and worry, right? Because we want our kids to have every opportunity. So the question is, what are we doing? James, it seems, and we'll look this morning, would seem to argue with you and I that we should do less planning and less saving. And that starts to get uncomfortable for me. Because I think wisdom is planning and saving. So it's important that we understand what James is doing, but it's very important you understand he's making you and me uncomfortable. So if you're uncomfortable this morning, it's not just the heat. It's okay. We get it. And let's take a look. So the first thing we want to look at in James is control. Control, which is related to planning. James takes a hammer to it, and it starts in verse 13. So let's take a look in verse 13. He says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and We will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. James, with a nice positive statement for you and me this morning. (laughs) No, but the first area, right, it's planning, right? Isn't that what they're doing? Normal living, making an appointment next week to see the doctor. (laughs) No, next month to see the doctor. I plan it out. I want to go. So I, I, I get it in my calendar. I, I I figure out what's going to happen. I want to go to the concert. So Mercy Me is happening two months from now. I buy a ticket. One of I ticket. That ticket is a plan that I'm going to go in two months from now to the concert. I'm putting money down. If it doesn't happen, I want the money back. I get in my heart that this is how things are, right? This is how you get things done. Do you know what we call that? I call it Wisdom in my heart wisdom to plan ahead it's wisdom i counsel kids hey 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 you know what you should you should explore you should work hard you should go to four years to school so that you get a good job at the end plan to be an engineer here's the steps you're going to take to plan to get there james says wait a minute Could that be presumption? I mean, that's really what he's getting after, right? That he says going kind to of four, four different things. Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town. Oh, you will? Are you sure? And, and, and then you, we will spend a year there. A year? Really? Oh. Okay. You think you can do that? And then, and, and, and then we will trade. Okay. You have an activity you think you're going to do for a whole year. And we will make a profit. Oh. That last one, I I get that, hey, that's, boy, making a prophet's hard. But, But James is after all of it, right? And my thinking that my hard work and my planning will make it so. Boasting of control, you see, when we have none. Do you think, do you think, do you think you are not dependent on God for every breath? And if you step back and answer that honestly, in your daily living, the answer will be no. I think. What makes you think you do anything on your own? Do you not realize your life is a mist? That's what he says, it's a vapor, right? It's just gone like spoof, and it's gone. There's no some substance to it. There's It's transient. This this is about the truth that we are not dependent right this is about the truth that 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 we can't actually control things i think i can but who can plan for cancer who can who can save enough to cheat death and it extends to everything really every heartbeat that you have everyone every breath that you take come on take one <gasps> I don't even re- I don't even think about breathing. I don't think about my heart beating. I don't think it's because of I'm dependent on God for everyone, and yet I am, right? I start to think I'm not. We're going to preach for another 20 minutes or so. I don't add on Lord willing. Now if I said four hours, <laughs> definitely be Lord willing. there still be people here. I don't know about that. But in my own power and in my own strength, that's where I go. And we make plans that suppose our strength and ability all the time. Hey, can you help me move? It's next Saturday. Oh, let me look at my calendar. Yeah, I think I can make that from 11 to 12. Lord willing. No, I don't think that. Got to go to the bathroom in just a minute. Lord willing. (laughs) If you did that, you would either be foolish or super annoying. I mean, super annoying to have someone all the time tell you, Lord willing. You know, like, you know, will walk in the Lord willing? <laughs> so I just, I feel like that that's not the point, really, that we tack on the line, right? The point is, I'm ultra-dependent on God, and I don't act like it. And so I received that, and I think, well, I'm going to redouble my efforts to add in the line, but when I do that, I just get annoying. And then, honestly, if I don't add the line in, I even if I do, I I really forget the function, the reality of it, constantly. Anything, anything, anything but daily dependence on God, it, it rots. It's like in the wilderness, right, that God gave Israel manna. They had to collect it every day. And some enterprising people thought, well... Let's plan ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll collect four or five days, because why not get it, and get it and I'll plan, and, and it rotted, because God wanted him out there the next day. Depend on him again. I act like I'm not dependent on God because I've got some strength, you see, and I'm pitting that against this idea of dependence. I really am. I, I think, wow, God's I, I, giving me strength. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. I have no control. <laughs> it's all an illusion. I need to eat every day. I need to breathe moment by moment, and it's all God providing oxygen for me, providing food, providing clothing. There's a thankfulness for the moment that ought to pervade me, and it does not happen. And so James James calls it out, right? He says, Hey, here it is, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. He's talking about me, and he's talking about you. And then he, he really puts in the knife. All such boasting is Misguided. Nope. All such boasting is evil. So the mirror's out and I'm looking at it and it's showing me that I presume all the time upon God in small ways and big, but especially in daily things. I plan. I look ahead. I do all these things thinking I can do it. I'm such a sinner. And that's what I see, right? That's what James wants you to see. Put out your light. You need to see the stars. It doesn't get easier from here. It gets harder, because there's where he goes next. It's not just the planning that we do, the control things that we do. It's also our good doing. I mean, look what he says in verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Don't You don't get out of this, ladies, by the hymn. It's everyone. He's talking in as a group. If you know what's right and you don't do it, it's sin. So, so if I know that I'm, I'm dependent on God every day, but I'm not dependent on him in actuality in my daily living, that's sin. You're a sinner. After Christ, after conversion, I continue to struggle here not a hard concept to grasp and not a hard concept that once you know and and you continue in something this is the whole premise and i've been in exodus a lot so so for example in exodus the people of israel they go out and they're in the wilderness and they're hungry and they complain to god and so god gives them manna wow manna from heaven it's fantastic they're thirsty and they say wow you're trying to kill us god so god gives them water from a rock it's fantastic then they get to Mount Sinai, and they get the law and the rules, and they know what sin is, and they know they're not supposed to presume upon God. And so they ask again in Numbers, we're hungry, we'd like some meat. God gives them quail and a plague. They're thirsty, and they ask for water, like God's not providing for them, you just want to kill us. So God gives them water, but death comes with it. Why, they know. It's sin, but you if you know something and you, you, you don't act on it, not difficult to grasp why is this helpful points out the same thing the last verses did doesn't it it it, it should hit us you and i i'm not talking i'm not pointing at you i'm pointing at me i'm pointing at all of us we are in a pool and it is a cesspool of sin all the time isn't it true The only danger you're going to have this morning is if you think it doesn't apply to you. You're faced every day with what's right, every day, and you don't do it. And you say, no, Dax, no, 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 you're not talking to me. I I do. Really? You're dependent on God every moment? There were guys that used to go around in the middle ages, call, they would always say, do vote, God wills. They used it to justify wars and stuff like that. They weren't really dependent. But you're meant to be in this attitude all the time. So, so, but let me ask some more questions. Let me just take like examples to drive it home. So, so not to judge you, but just to point out to you and me together. So there are people in our county right now. There are people in our city. There are people in our town who live under bridges. Who live out and and are without a home. And I know that. What am I doing to help them? I own a home. Do I do I really help them? I do some. But they're still there. I, I never go. I do, do I know their names? Let's get more let's get closer to home. Let's say, okay, there are people in our body who are in nursing homes. They're lonely. Have you visited them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Last month I visited someone in the nursing home. What about yesterday? Why are you watching a movie when there are things happening that you could be loving people and you know what's right? You think that's right? You think that you should pray every day with other believers? Why aren't you at the prayer meeting? I'm not, I'm, I'm poking at you, not because I'm playing a a burden on you. Be clear. I'm not. I'm just saying what we need to do is to step back and say, you know what? Yeah, it's true. If I'm judged all the time on what's right, I don't do what's right every moment. And if I don't do what's right all the time, to him, it is sin. Let me give you a personal example, just so I put myself in that boat. So there I am. I get home after this straining day of being a pastor. Not. I get to do this. It's so fantastic. I get to study the word of God, but it's the end of the day, and I'm tired. I'm talking to people, and I come home. So I come home, and what I do is I sit in my chair, and I open my novel, and I'm like, yes. I can read for a few minutes. I can rest. My kid comes up the stairs, and she says, Dad, will you play with me? I want to play tag. (laughs) That's my heart, but I don't do that to her. Okay, wait a minute. My kid hasn't seen me all day. She needs her dad. What's right? I mean, really, truly, what's right? That I would read my novel or that I would play with my kid? I would tell you in my own heart before you, you might have a different answer. My answer would be, it is right to me that I play with my kid. It's right. But I'm tired. I don't really want to. So I tell her, well, in a few minutes, kid, I'll get to you. She toddles back downstairs. Okay, my book. It's a good one. Good novel. It starts in game. I, I, I forget. Kind of. One more page. One more page. So now, not only have I not done what's right, which is go play with my kids, but I've lied to her that I'm going to. This doesn't just happen in one moment. This happens every moment of every day. There are things that pull on me all the time where I, I kind of know the right thing to do would be over here, but I but I also, I, I justify the, what I'm doing over here too. And so I'm always in this spot of knowing that I could be doing more than I do. If you don't feel that, you're probably not alive. There's always this weight. you could do more than you should do. You should do more than you actually do, Right? Maybe you're such a do-gooder that you don't see that. But even if you're a do-gooder, there are moments. You know the right thing to do, you fail to do it, for damn it's sin. And again, I'm looking at this mirror again, and I look at myself and I say, ugh, ugh, I don't like me. Actually, that feels kind of heavy. Is it not sin? And, and so I have one of two responses. One response I have is guilt, and guilt says to me, "Yes, I'll try harder. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it." I feel like it. I, I, I that, and and so people actually come to me and say, "Well, say stuff like that." I say, Pastor, what should I do? I, I think I need to do better. Why why are you putting it on me? You know what's right. If that's where you are, you know what's right. Do it. Right. Guilt, guilt gets on us though. We 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 want to do it ourselves. Say, okay, I'll try and do better. But but really. At the end of the day, especially if you're talking about the area of dependence, which is where this context is, you're going to fail. The other spot is defensiveness because if it's not guilt and we say, oh man, I feel that and it slays me and it hurts and I, man, I want to do better, but I just feel guilty. The other side is defensiveness. You're not, no, that's not me. That's the other side, right? I'm not culpable. It's not my issue that my neighbor's in need. I, I pay taxes so the government can help them. That's my part. I give 7.5% to poor people. I give 25%. I give 37.5%. I give 83 What What's the number by which it says, okay, well, you, you really are doing the right thing all the time? There's not, Right? People say, well, I'm just not gifted that way. <laughs> You're busy. You don't have time to do the right thing all the time. But but it's not what I've planned. Oh wait. You do see that's the exact context that James is after. You make plans. Okay, hold on to that thought for a moment. Hold on to this thought of guilty and defensive. Hold on to this thought that what James is doing is he's just poking at us. He's actually poking at us in ways that are hard for me to take. I don't like it. I want to defend myself. And what James is doing is not letting you. He just keeps going. Look where he goes. He goes right into savings. Come on, you rich. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver have corroded, their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. (laughs) James, can he ever say something nice? (laughs) I have something to say to you, he says to rich people. And he's talking to the church community. He's not talking to the world. And he's not pulling punches. I mean, weep and howl because there's miseries coming upon you. Why? Why is there miseries coming upon them? At the end, it's this reason. Did you see it at the end? You have laid up treasure in the last days. And that's where I get in trouble. Because otherwise, I'm really good at pointing at other people with this. I'm so good. You rich people, man, you guys know Bill Gates. You know, people who have a lot of money. That's not me. I don't have a lot of money. He's talking about those guys out there that really do bad things with money. You have laid up treasure in the last days. You guys think it's the last days? I do. Have you laid up treasure? I have. I think I have a pair of shoes for every day of the week. I think I could wear a different shirt every day of the month and not repeat one. Someone would look bad. I think about retirement, don't you? I plan. I put money aside so that when I'm older, I have money or I have my kids. It's called wisdom. Don't you do that? If you don't, you'll find 85 and a half people telling you to do it now. It doesn't work to ship this often to someone else. I mean, think about us as Americans. I know it's statistics and you can twist anything. And the actual median income for Americans has gone down. But if you make... If you make $50,000 a year, so this is a lot of folks in our body don't, but if you did make $50,000 a year, then you make 15 times more than the average salary in the world. 15 times. We've talked about this before, but I, I, I can walk into my home and there are bananas from Chile and grapes from Argentina, and there are things on my table from all over the world that are indulgences. It doesn't work to shift this off into someone else. To someone who makes $700,000, like the top 1% of Americans who say, well, those people out there and that, yeah, fine. But, but the reality is I save. And James is saying the problem's not the amount of money. He doesn't name an amount of money to make that you're rich. He names that this, this lifestyle and this thought that you have stuff and you save it. It's an identity problem. It's a value problem. If you have things, you have to take care of them. You start to have security in the stuff and not in the ones who gives the stuff. Do you get that? I start to have a lot of security in the things. Can I ask you? I mean, really, really think about this. Do you feel more secure if you've got a full bank account? I do. Would you feel more secure if you own your home with debt free? You've got it. And you're like, hey, I'm secure for for my future. I've laid up, I've laid up retirement for many months. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but at least I have that. We all do it. I don't want this to apply to me, but it does. And James points at you and me, and and, and he, he hits us. E- even here, even as he keeps going, I mean, look what he says. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are decrying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts, <laughs> Lord of armies. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Okay, when I think of this picture and I read it and I just think about it, it sounds like like feudal England or something or even further back because you're thinking about these rich landowners and they own all this stuff and the serfs out there are working the fields and you're taking their stuff and not paying them enough and and there's just an, an inequality, a structural injustice to it all. This can't be us. But I'll tell you what. Could it be? I mean, chew on it with me. I've been to Africa. I'll take the one I know. Cashews. Have you ever eaten a cashew? I know people who raise cashews. They do it in an in, in, in area of Burkina Faso that I've been to, and they raise it, and they make money, and they like the money they get, but they get maybe 15 cents a pound. That, then those cashews go through many middlemen and end up where you're buying it at Trader Joe's. For $6 a pound. And you're enjoying the fruits of their labors. Right? But they're barely eating. And you're enjoying luxuries. That's the structural problem. It's something we don't want to think about. But I don't want to think about it like I don't want to think about chicken. You guys know chicken? Chicken I get out of a a, a frozen bag from Costco... And I get the chicken, and I take it out of the freezer, and I open it up, and there are these little chicken tenderloins, which is really the whole chicken they just cut out. The best little piece. Luxury. And I've got a hundred of them in a bag. And I take the ones I want, and I fry them up. But those hundred, you know, that comes from chicken. Somebody had to kill the chicken. Take the blood and the guts and render it. Take the parts that weren't so good and give it to other people so that I could have the very best part, the tenderloin. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Sorry if you do. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is to say you're as guilty as, as the rich guy in this text. We are this. And you say, well, I never eat chicken turner because that I'm vegetarian. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got me. But we do it in a hundred ways because of the society we live in, because of the time we live in, because of us being in a very rich culture, because we don't think about it, because we don't. And and the, and the, idea, is, and the idea is you're going to come back and you say, okay, fine, Dex, I'll think about it more. And so you'll go off in this social justice warrior attitude deal. And guess what? You'll still be guilty because you can't get out. Because it hits you in a thousand ways, not in two ways. It's whack-a-mole. It is. Why is James doing this? Why is he doing this? Why does the Bible go here? Why? What's the problem? The problem is us. And the worst problem is that you and I think we're doing good when we aren't good at all. Put out the lights so you can see the stars. That's what he's after, right? That's what he's after. Because, again, when, when I say these things to you, and I, I have said these things this morning to you, the, the response is, is either guilt, like, yeah, I see it. Oh, it's terrible. I'm going to work on that. Or it's defensiveness. No, I'm not that way. I don't think James wants you in either one of those camps. I think what he's after for you is Acceptance. I think what he wants you to do is to look into the law. And we saw this in chapter 1. And he's taking it through the whole way. He wants you to look into the law. It's a perfect mirror. It has perfection in it. And what you see back is sinner you. You find no hope there. You find no hope before you were a Christian. You find no hope after you were a Christian. You continue to find your hope in one place. You're not after guilt or defensiveness. We're after acceptance. I'm after agreement. I'm looking for confession. We're hearing James, and we've turned out the lights to see the stars. Where's our hope? It cannot ever, ever be in you. And honestly, dear people who I love, and I say this to myself, it's why I don't like James. It's been hard for my flesh. I do find my value in me. So do you. What do I do? And by the way, Dax, then how in the world does this help with the question you asked at the beginning? Here was the question. You remember the question? What do I do with worry? <laughs> what do I do with worry? And then I hear all this stuff. How does this help me with my not to worry? That was my question. And the answer is, if you're a theologian of glory, if you're on the pathway we talked about last week and the week before and the week before that's called the theologian of glory, it doesn't help you. I've just given you one more thing to worry about. Worry about your planning. Worry about your over-saving. Is it really righteous that you have a retirement? And if that's what you hear, and you start to take it on, say, well, then I'm going to go try and handle that. Another thing for me to worry about. You'll never end. That's not what James is after. James says, hey. The whole point of these deep and unchangeable charges is that you have nothing in you. You see, if your well-being is about your planning, then there's weight on it. You stand or fall on whether you gain or lose money, or your plans happen or don't, or how well you plan. If your well-being is in your righteous work, then there's weight on seeing what you aren't doing. You're going to stand or fall on how sinful you're being. If your well-being is about your riches, your stores of stuff for the future, then how much you have becomes a huge concern if that's where your security is. But you and I, we're not taking on a burden like that. I'm not putting a burden on you today to say, don't you dare save or don't you dare plan. That's not the point, is it? Take the burden off is the point. Stop finding your value in you. Because there's only one place for hope, and, and, and we saw it, didn't we? We read it this morning. We read it in, in Luke chapter 12, where Jesus says, don't worry. Why don't I worry? Your Father loves you. He knows what you need. He provides for you. He takes care of you. Of course, God tells you to work. That's His provision too. But, but, but you're dependent on everything for your Savior. My breath, my food, my shelter, even what happens tomorrow. This is the path to no worry. That Guess what? God's good for it. If I'm dependent on God for everything, do I trust that he's good for it? He's strong enough, you guys. He cares enough about you. He'll provide for you. Do you really trust that? This is the work of our life. God won't let you down. So, so I see worry as a label, right? A worry is a label for your lack of dependence. And before you get mad at me, because there will be people in this room who struggle with worry every day, and they'll get mad, why are you doing judging me? I'll say, no, it's a label I use for me, because I worry. I worry all the time. I'm just welcoming you into the same boat I'm in, that in spite of my worry, it remains true that God takes care of me. In spite of my planning, in spite of my actually striving, God still takes care of me. He does, doesn't he? And we we can, you and I can, stand here together, even though we fall down in our dependence all the time. I, I'm inviting you, stop fighting. Stop fighting with your planning for yourself. Stop pl- fighting with your saving so that you'll have security. And find your security in Jesus. Jump in the pool. We are people who struggle with worry because we aren't dependent enough. We We sin because we aren't who we should be. We don't like it, but that's not where our hope is. Our hope is in the one who did it all. No matter what happens to you, no matter where you are, I I would say this. I would say in closing, I'd say this. I'd say this to you and me. The thing to hold in your pocket is not what would Jesus do? You heard that WWJD? It's a big thing probably 15 years ago. And every so often we whip it out to like whip ourselves. Whether or not you're following Jesus enough, and you can you can think about that, it's not wrong to think it, but it's going to lead you down some interesting paths, unless you have in your back pocket the real one, WWWHJD. What has Jesus done? Isn't that stronger? What has Jesus done? If you get your eyes there, if you get your eyes there, if you can place your hope there, it doesn't become about what I'm going to do in order to be like Jesus. Although have at it as your heart goes there. Fantastic. But I'll tell you what's going to get you there. What has Jesus done as you look at the law and it reflects your terribleness and you, you have to trust again that Jesus has done it all. And though I fall again, he's the one that loves me. He's the one that provides for me. And my hope is. Always in Him. Jump in with me. This is Christianity. Let's pray.